This show was sponsored by BetterHelp. Think of that feeling when you finish a walk, run, or workout. You're refreshed, calm, and even a little proud. Therapy can feel the same, but for your mind. Build your mental strength at betterhelp.com super. Hey, brother. All right, there can be no doubt that Harry's entire saga is jam-packed with little clues and plot points and pieces of evidence that are way more important than we ever realized when we're first introduced to them. Tom Riddle's diary that opens the Chamber of Secrets? actually a horcrux. Harry's invisibility cloak? It's a deadly hallow. The golden snitch from Harry's first ever Quidditch game? Turns out it's a tiny capsule that can hold an even tinier thing inside of it and can only be reopened by the first person who touched it and or uh, I guess kissed it in Harry's case. Makes you wonder how Dumbledore himself opened it. Like, did he collect Harry's spit at some time? Or? But honestly, these little payoffs weave a thread throughout the entire story and it's part of what makes it so much fun and ties the whole thing together. But there is one magical artifact that, dare I say, could have have been vital to the story, but gets introduced and then completely forgotten about. I mean, not entirely forgotten about, but overlooked when it could have made a crucial impact earlier on. The object I speak of is, of course, the two-way mirror Sirius gives to Harry when he's heading back to Hogwarts in his fifth year. It's the same mirror that eventually ends up with Aberforth Dumbledore, which he uses to send Dobby to go help Harry, Ron, and Hermione escape from Malfoy Manor. But long before that payoff, there is a very obvious moment the mirrors could have proven vital to to Harry. And it's during Harry's second semester of his fifth year under Umbridge's reign. Because after leaving Grimald Place for the holidays and returning to Hogwarts, Harry finds two separate instances when he wants to talk to Sirius and goes to extreme lengths to make it happen. The first of these also spurs Fred and George's glorious exit from the school as they create a diversion so that Harry can use Umbridge's fireplace to talk to Sirius. This is when Harry wants to talk to him about the memory he's just seen of his father and Snape's memory, but honestly, it feels like it would have been a great time for Sirius to be like, wow, I'm so proud of you for breaking all the rules, but hey, do you remember that mirror? thing I gave you at the end of the at the end of Christmas like maybe just use that next time but nope doesn't come up at all and then later that semester Voldemort plants an image in Harry's mind of Sirius being tortured at the Department of Mysteries and Harry is ready to march out immediately to go rescue Sirius thankfully Hermione steps in and is like well maybe we should check number 12 Grimmauld Place to see if anything has gone askew before we you know jet off to London which leads to a second trip into Umbridge's office to try and use the fireplace where a load of other stuff happens including like five of Harry's friends getting captured and Umbridge being led into the forest before she gets carried off by a herd of centaurs, but not before this wonderful zinger from Harry. I'm sorry, Professor. I must not tell lies. Nice one, James! Technically, those are both movie-only quotes, but they're some of my favorites. But as much as I love that absolute dunk on Umbridge, I can't help but wonder, what if Harry had just opened the package, just used the little black mirror in his pocket to phone Sirius? Oh my gosh, black mirror, like the show, which I actually think is about like phones, because they're like, you know, little black mirrors, which, oh my gosh, it's actually also a mirror from the black fan. That is so great, that is so great. I don't think they meant to do that, but wow. Anyway, incredible wordplay aside, what if Sirius had just told Harry how to use the mirror? Like, what kind of ripple effects happen if Harry and the crew are never lured into the Ministry of Magic? Does Sirius survive the night? Does Voldemort get discovered by the Ministry? Does Harry still learn the prophecy? Well, today, we finally answer possibly one of the most frustrating plot holes in all of Harry Potter. What if he just checked the mirror? Hey 
guys, before we dive on in, I want to remind you that this Friday night, we are having an all fandoms trivia live stream right here on the main channel. It's going to be at 6 p.m. Eastern. We're going to have prizes. We're going to be doing trivia. Everyone's welcome. Set your calendars. It's going to be fun. See you there. Okay. Let's start pulling some strings. If Harry had knowledge of how to use the mirror, he never would have used Umbridge's fireplace in the first place, right? Let alone the second place, which is a big deal because like we said, normally when he's using the fireplace the second time, the inquisitorial squad rounds up the rest of Harry's like core six and then Umbridge gets gone into the forest and carried off by the centaurs, which I mean is nice. But the glaring hole here is that if Harry has the mirror, there's no need for any of this. He can just check on Sirius's safety from the comfort of the Gryffindor common room. Gosh, why does that feel like just such a nice thought though? Like an easy way to communicate. That's what this story was really lacking. Now, I suppose you could argue argue that if Harry and Sirius were using the mirrors regularly, then Creature would have noticed and would have taken measures to make sure that Sirius didn't have access to his mirror on the day in question. In fact, Creature could have just used the mirror himself to have a conversation with Harry similar to the one Harry has with him when he's using Umbridge's fireplace. And I have to tell you, if that scenario plays out, things actually go downhill pretty fast for Harry because it is so much less likely that Neville, Luna, and Ginny would have accompanied them to the Ministry of magic as well because they would have had no reason to be involved. Plus, it is normally the act of getting caught by Umbridge that allows Harry to tip off Snape to later alert the Order to come help them that evening. But if Harry is tricked into the Ministry without that contingency in place, then I mean, by all accounts, the Death Eaters just win. I mean, they successfully get the prophecy from him when he has five friends with them, and this time he probably only has Ron and Hermione. And I just have to imagine that there's really no situation in which after they get the prophecy, they don't just also capture the three of them. Like, they're not just going to be like, hand it over and you can walk free. Seriously, we actually do mean that. Just please leave now. Thanks. Then after the three of them are captured, Voldemort would finally hear the second part of the prophecy and learn, The child will have powers the Dark Lord knows not, and either must die at the hand of the other, for neither can live while the other survives. Now, normally Voldemort never learns the second half of the prophecy, but even if he heard it, it doesn't really change anything. Like even in the final battle, Voldemort just guesses that Harry's extra power is love and it does nothing to deter him. In fact, he already sort of explains this exact thing in Goblet of Fire and just personally believes that he's already overcome it. His mother left upon him the traces of her sacrifice. This is old magic. I should have remembered it. I was foolish to overlook it, but no matter, I can touch him now. So with Harry captured and the knowledge that one must kill the other, I think Voldemort immediately moves to murder Harry. The hilarious end result here though is that it just doesn't work because of course Voldemort took Harry's blood into his body and thus kept Lily's sacrifice alive in himself. In effect, Voldemort is acting like an anti-Horcrux for Harry, or what I always like to call a love crux. So all Voldemort would end up accomplishing there is destroying his own bit of soul inside of Harry, which he didn't even know was in there, but I don't think he'd be able to kill him. Now it's possible he'd then try and have another Death Eater do it, but also very unlikely because he just listened to the prophecy, which does say one must die at the hands of the other. This is another huge weakness of Voldemort, putting too much stock in the prophecy, having another Death Eater do it would absolutely work. And if you're wondering, ooh, what about Nagini? I also don't think that would work because Nagini also has a bit of Voldemort's soul in her. But so after Voldemort fails to kill Harry, I have to imagine the other Death Eaters are kind of spooked, but the other problem is that Harry also can't kill Voldemort because he has his Horcruxes in place. So after that, 
really hard to say what goes down. But honestly, let's back up a second here because the real what if I'm sure you're actually all wondering is what if Harry had been able to confirm Sirius's safety that night and just never went to the Department of Mysteries. Basically, Voldemort plants the image in his head. Harry's like, hold on a second, that doesn't seem likely. Pulls out the mirror, says Sirius, and says, oh, good, Voldemort just tried to trick me to go to the Department of Mysteries, so good to see that you're all right. And then they share a great guffaw about how dumb Voldemort's plan is. Barking laughter all around. <laughs> that was the worst barking laugh ever. <laughs> At this point, though, it's probably worth pointing out that Harry has simply learned too much not to be filled in about what the heck is going on. I mean, he's just had a vision into the Hall of Prophecy and is now in a pretty good position to just demand answers out of people. And really, I do think they'd have to start telling him. The tricky part is, of course, that it would probably have to be Dumbledore who tells him because he's the only one who actually knows the full prophecy. The issue there is, of course, that at this point in the story, Dumbledore has been forced out of the school in style. Dumbledore's got style. Now granted, Dumbledore might not have had to leave the school if Marietta Edgecombe hadn't just blabbed on Harry in the first place, and if Harry had been able to talk to Sirius using the mirror, he might have been to get better advice on girls and be able to salvage his relationship with Cho and been better friends with Marietta, so she might have had to blab, but it's really neither here nor there. We'll just assume she's always a tattletale. But we'll come back to Sirius and Dumbledore in a second, because the other question is, if Harry doesn't go to the Ministry, what about all the Death Eaters that are there waiting for him? Because they're all just definitely counting on Voldemort's plan to work, but if Harry doesn't show up, the, then what? Do they eventually just get like bored and leave? Do they start playing some bocce ball with the old prophecies? I mean, probably, right? Nothing would surprise me less than to find out that Lucius Malfoy is on the pro circuit for bocce ball. Although I guess you can't remove the prophecy unless it's about yourself, so. Yeah. But I suppose to that end, would Voldemort just come down to the Hall of Prophecy himself and just get it? And that was honestly my first thought. Like if he already has a large group of Death Eaters exactly where the prophecy is, what's to stop him from just waltzing in and grabbing it himself? I mean, he shows up later that night anyway. And that part is just always baffling me. Like what was the point of luring Harry there under the guise of torturing Sirius when you're already planning to be there. And it gets more confusing. Here's Bellatrix explaining why Voldemort would never come and pick it up himself. Did it himself, the Dark Lord, walk into the Ministry of Magic when they're so sweetly ignoring his return? The Dark Lord reveal himself to the Aurors when at the moment they're wasting their time on my dear cousin? Right, so she says he'd never come down there. And yet at the same time, I don't think anybody summoned him there. And yet it sounds like she already knew he was there. No, it isn't true, you're lying. Master, I tried. I Try, do not punish me. Don't waste your breath. He can't hear you from here. Can die, Potter. Like those two sentiments seem to contradict each other, but honestly, I think in the first one, she's just taunting Harry. Whereas as of the second one, maybe we can actually deduce out what Voldemort's overall plan for the night actually was. Because if Bellatrix knew Voldemort was already there, then it means Voldemort was always planning on already being there. So the real plan wasn't just for Harry to retrieve the prophecy, but for Harry to retrieve it, then for Voldemort to listen to it, then to immediately kill him. <laughs> Like we the readers obviously know there's two books left, but as far as the Death Eaters concerned, this was the finale and honestly it makes more sense. Because otherwise, what was the plan? Have Harry collect it, take it from him, bring it back to Voldemort who listens to it and then they gotta go find Harry again? Like, thank you for the prophecy, Potter. Now, please leave. We'll come find you again when we're ready to kill you, probably. But that's the real reason this entire situation takes months of planning by Voldemort, because his plan is for everything to go down that night. Otherwise, yeah, 
Obviously, Voldemort can just go get it himself whenever. That's not really the problem. If he takes it himself, then it's obvious that Voldemort has taken it. And if Harry didn't take it, and only people who can pick up the prophecy can get it, then it confirms that Voldemort is back to the Ministry. He's back. And if the Ministry suddenly has to realize that Voldemort is back, then all of a sudden getting to Harry becomes even more impossible. I am the chosen one. But anyway, all that's important because if Harry is able to confirm ahead of time with the that Sirius is not in danger, and the Order has been waiting for Voldemort to try and lure Harry to the Department of Mysteries, then suddenly the Order knows that a bunch of Death Eaters and Voldemort are at the Ministry and vulnerable. So the Order can actually ambush them. Which is then I think exactly what happens. The Order shows up, surprises the Death Eaters, they fight, Dumbledore shows up, duels Voldemort, they confirm Voldemort is back, Voldemort escapes and the Death Eaters are captured. But obviously the big main difference is that Sirius survives the night and Harry and his friends were not involved at all. I suppose it would be possible later on after Voldemort does take over the Ministry for him to just, you know, get the prophecy and hear it himself since it actually wasn't destroyed that night then. But again, it doesn't really matter because of everything we talked about before, all he would learn is stuff he thinks he's already accounted for. Okay, but so then how does Sirius surviving the night affect things going forward? Well, I guess it happens to mean that Umbridge didn't get attacked by a herd of centaurs, which is kind of a bummer, but whatever. She still gets sacked and Dumbledore still gets reinstated as headmaster. But for the next year, it doesn't make as big of a difference as you might think, other than that Harry can access Sirius whenever he wants to. But of course, the main thing Harry usually wants to talk about that year is what Draco Malfoy is up to and who the Half-Blood Prince is. And honestly, Harry pretty much gets to have the conversation he would have had with Sirius with Remus at Christmas about the Half-Blood Prince, and he gives him all the information he could have ever wanted, so I don't think that really changes, but as for Draco, well, in this scenario, it's more of Voldemort's plan failing rather than Lucius failing to execute Voldemort's plan. Like, normally, Harry's there, Lucius gets the prophecy and then fails to get it to Voldemort. But this time it's really not Lucius's fault at all, and thus the Malfoys are not really being punished this year, meaning that Draco does not get promoted to Death Eater and assigned the impossible task of killing Dumbledore. Which means instead, Draco just has like a real, real bad year at Hogwarts. Like his family name is smeared, his father is in prison. He doesn't even have the self-importance confidence boost of being promoted to Death Eater and given a special mission directly from Voldemort. It also means Draco's not trying to kill Dumbledore this year, so Katie Bell never gets cursed by the necklace, Ron never gets poisoned by the mead, and maybe Draco plays Quidditch, but also maybe not. Maybe he's just too depressed. Oh. Which feels like a great segue into today's sponsor, BetterHelp. And look guys, much like Draco, we are all constantly growing and changing as people. It's kind of the beautiful thing about being a human being, but sometimes it can be challenging. And that's why therapy is great, because it's just about deepening our own self-awareness. Because sometimes you don't even understand yourself unless you can talk through it with a professional. Or, you know, a tipsy potions professor. I mean, therapy is vastly preferable to being like threatened by a dark lord for like a whole year or something. I don't know, just making that up. But as someone who has been going to therapy, for years now, I can absolutely say it has helped me gain new perspective on 
well, myself and what my needs are, which is why I'm always happy to talk about BetterHelp because they will match you with a licensed therapist who will help you on your own journey of self-discovery. It's seriously something that's just been so impactful on my life. I think I'll probably end up just doing it forever because you know, as life changes, I have to change. And this is such a valuable resource for knowing just how to always cope with it. Plus BetterHelp is online, meaning it's super convenient, flexible and adjustable to your schedule if you're just trying to start getting into therapy. And it's super easy. You just fill out a brief questionnaire so that they can match you with an optimal therapist, but then if that doesn't work out, you can just switch at any time for any reason. At no additional charge, I might add. So discover your potential with BetterHelp when you go to betterhelp.com super to get 10% off your first month. One more time, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com super. Link is in the description down below. But really, depression, I think, is probably the theme of Draco's year. The only person he really has left is his mom. That is, until one fateful night when one Harry J. Potter is out on a mission to collect a memory from Slughorn under the influence of Felix Felicis. And for whatever reason, if this is how the story is playing out, I think that Felix Felicis will guide Harry to cross paths with Draco and Slughorn. And for one reason or another, Harry doesn't know why, but he's just trusting the potion, Draco gets roped into the funeral for Aragog. And I think Hagrid probably wouldn't normally be too happy to see Draco, but remember, he's just really upset about Aragog dying, so I think he'd just let it slide. But either way, I think the four of them end up back at Hagrid's hut, where Slughorn and Hagrid are, you know, drinking and singing about Odo the Odd. Meanwhile, Harry and Draco are just sort of trapped by circumstances and not wanting to be disrespectful to two of their professors. Wherein, as usual, Slughorn begins regaling them with tales of Harry's mother. Harry responds and talks about how she didn't need to die, how Voldemort did it even though she could have lived. And listening to it all is Draco, who's been feeling the loss of his father to prison all year and having to rely on his own mother for any kind of companionship. He can't leave and now he's forced to listen to stories about how great the Potters were from a Slytherin source, no less. Despite himself, he finds he's able to relate to Harry a little bit more as a person and even empathize with him given the year he's having. However, given the opportunity, he still finds a way to make an exit so Harry is able to privately collect the memory from Slughorn without Draco being any the wiser. Felix Felicis, right? Things happen the way you want. I'm sure this interaction with Draco won't come up again later. Getting back to Dumbledore though, just because Draco wasn't assigned to kill him does not mean he is safe this year. Really, it just means the next person in line to kill Dumbledore, Snape, gets tapped for the mission way earlier. But all the other factors are still in play for Dumbledore too. Dumbledore still would have looked for the ring over the summer and found it and tried it on and Snape would have have stopped it, but given him only a year to live. Thus, Dumbledore still arranges his death with Snape, but this time it's not to save Malfoy, really it's just to save Snape and to secure his position as Mole. Now obviously, because it's a Harry Potter book, it'll take Snape literally the entire year to do this because nothing too important is ever allowed to happen until spring, am I right? But honestly, I think it all still happens on the same night. Harry and Dumbledore still go to the cave, Dumbledore still drinks the potion, they get the locket, they come back to the school, and Dumbledore, even in the main timeline, the first thing he asks for before he sees the dark mark is to see Severus. No, it is Professor Snape who I need, but I do not think I can walk very far just yet. Now, normally they go to the astronomy tower here because Draco has put the dark mark up there, but this time, obviously that's not happening because Draco's not trying to kill Dumbledore. So I think probably they just go to Snape's office instead where both Snape and Dumbledore realize this 
is the time. Dumbledore is weakened anyway and knows that from Harry's point of view could conceivably just die from the potion. But it is actually very important that Dumbledore not die from the cursed ring or the potion itself because if one of those things kill him, then Voldemort actually does become master of the Elder Wand. Now, of course, Harry would never allow Snape to just kill Dumbledore, so he'd have to be sent away on some errand first, like maybe go fetch McGonagall or something. But maybe he runs into her early, comes back early, and witnesses it as it's happening. So despite their best laid plans, Harry still sees Snape kill Dumbledore, and there's nothing that can be done. There's no explanation to be had. Harry immediately reacts and starts attacking Snape, who is forced to flee the castle. Everyone thinks Snape did it, but at least his cover remains intact. Which allows us to fast forward to the Battle of the Seven Potters, where I have to imagine, if Sirius is still alive, there is no way he does not partake in this battle, right? The question is, who does he replace? And I think the obvious answer is just Hagrid. I mean, nothing against Hagrid, he's great, but he's definitely the least magically capable. Which means then that the motorbike is up for grabs, and guess who it belonged to in the first place anyway? Sirius! Also, also, I cannot imagine that Sirius does not insist that Harry be with him for this particular journey. So, Sirius basically just replaces Hagrid entirely. But, so then how does that change the battle? Well, I think two things could happen. We know Voldemort usually goes after who he considers to be the most capable or moody. But if Sirius is up there too, that might be him, especially since we know that Voldemort has already tried to exploit the connection between Sirius and Harry by luring into the Department of Mysteries. I mean, that totally failed, but it's still there. Or Voldemort could just still pursue Moody. But I think no matter what, if Sirius is up there, Bellatrix definitely targets him. Meaning that it's very possible that despite the seven powder distraction, it's still very possible that right away, Harry and Sirius are dealing with Bellatrix and Voldemort. Which agreed, sounds bad. But don't forget, Harry is safe because Harry's always safe because Harry always has his wand and will always do the golden fire thing. His escort, however, is a far different story. It's pretty possible that even as it was, Hagrid was just getting hit with spells and his giant's blood was repelling them. We know it to be way more resilient than regular wizard blood. But we also know Voldemort usually gets a kill in this scene. Moody. And if he's following Harry right away, and even if he's not and it's just Bellatrix, I just don't think Sirius survives the night. One of them, once more, finishes him off. But I guess Moody lives, so <laughs> Umbridge won't get his eye. Yay. But obviously Sirius dying is a huge blow for Harry, and now to make matters worse, Aberforth isn't going to have the mirror. Which, if you'll recall, is a big problem because it's usually him who sends Dobster the elf over to Malfoy Manor to help them escape. But assuming the rest of the story plays out as usual, and I think for the most part it would, like when Scrimgeour comes to give Harry the contents of Dumbledore's will, he probably just also tells him about the contents of Sirius's will. And Mad-Eye's still alive, so we can actually still go put all the protections on Grimald so they can use that as a base later on. But the, really that's probably the way Mad-Eye affects the story because it's not like Harry gets much help from the Order in this book anyway. Malfoy Manor is the big change for sure though because how are they going to escape? Well, let me tell you, Felix Felicis saw this coming a mile away. The answer is Draco. Normally, Draco's pretty hesitant to ID Harry, Ron, and Hermione anyway, and I think the situation is pretty much the same this time. Except that this time he's had a while to reflect on Harry's circumstances and what Voldemort did to his family and compare that to what he was dealing with all of last year. I imagine the scene goes down like this. The trio is captured as usual and the boys are sent down to the basement while Bellatrix keeps Hermione upstairs to torture her for information about the sword, thus giving away the location of the cup. 
as usual. Hermione lies and says the sword is fake, so they get Griphook out of the basement to come confirm that it's fake, and he lies and says that it is. In the meantime, Harry and Ron cause enough commotion downstairs to warn Wormtail to come investigate, and as usual, his silver hand turns against him. Then, wandless as ever, Harry and Ron are able to rush into the scene and knock Bellatrix physically off of Hermione, but that's about as far as their plan went, because now they are, after all, surrounded by the Malfoys, the Snatchers, and Bellatrix. Bellatrix is, of course, annoyed that she was tackled, but now filled with glee that she has new playthings. Couldn't wait your turn, Potter. Very well. I'll prepare you for the Dark Lord, shall I? Crucio! The spell flies straight at Harry, but before it lands, Potato! Draco's spell collides with hers, stopping it. The entire room is stunned, including Draco, who can't quite believe what he's just done. In one instant, he's condemned himself to death. Bellatrix is livid. Draco, unsure what to say, stammers, I, he killed his mother. He didn't have to, but he did. Realization washes over Narcissa while Lucius steps in to try and pacify the situation. Bella, put your wand down. Draco didn't mean anything. The Dark Lord needn't ever find out. We still have Potter, after all, who I believe you owe some pain, yes? Bellatrix looks like she couldn't be further from agreeing, but comes around at the suggestion of returning to her torture. Indeed, Potter. Where were we? Crucio! No! Draco blocks it again, and this time steps in front of Harry, Ron, and Hermione. Potter, just leave, he stares back at his aunt. Just let them leave. Draco, how dare you? I never expected this from you. Stand aside. This is your last warning. Draco knows there's no turning back now anyway. He stands his ground. Very well. If you're a blood traitor, then I shall treat you like one. Crucio! But for the third time, her spell is blocked. Not by Draco this time, but by Narcissa, who now steps in front of her son. Not my son. You... Traitors! All of you! You shall pay for your transgressions! The Dark Lord shall find out about this! Put your wand away, Bella, says Narcissa. Never! She shouts back, and they begin dueling. Everyone steps away as spells begin flying everywhere. And look, there could be no denying that Bellatrix is by far the superior combatant in this situation. But, as we all know, she is also no match for a mother's might. And so, after one swift dodge, Narcissa's spell lands true, and Bellatrix falls. The entire room is in disbelief. Lucius looks horrified. You lot, out of here now! Narcissa commands to the Snatchers, who all now flee in terror from the woman who just killed Bellatrix. As for you, Potter, this won't stay quiet long. Draco will return your wands and show you out. Be quick about it. Draco then escorts Harry, Ron, Hermione, and Griphook out of the grounds where they apparate to Shell Cottage to begin the next phasing for their plans. I suppose for the sake of it, we'll also just assume Narcissa frees Luna and Ollivander and Dean, but they probably don't end up at Shell Cottage as well, because why would they? But best of all, Dobby doesn't die! Yay! Now, unfortunately, that means Harry won't get to interview Ollivander, but that doesn't really matter because in this situation, the power of the Elder Wand actually did die because Snape and Dumbledore had that arranged death. Not that Voldemort knows that, he's still going after it. Voldemort actually wouldn't be summoned back to Malfoy Manor right away this time because they do not want him to find out about any of this. So Harry actually has a little bit of time to plan how to break into Gringotts, but not a lot of time. In fact, as long as they go fast, they can still use the Bellatrix disguise to try and get into her vault. And this time, they don't even have to worry about her being confined to the manor and everyone being like, I thought you weren't supposed to leave. Of course, 
There is the possibility people will think she's supposed to be dead because word could have gotten around from the snatchers. Either way though, they really just have to lie about it long enough to get past the door. I imagine if anyone questions them, Hermione can just say something like, dead? Do I look dead to you? I mean, regardless, they pretty much suspect her of being a fake right away anyway, so doesn't affect the story that much. Either way, the Golden Trio gets the cup, Voldemort freaks out because he realizes his Horcruxes are under attack and that Bellatrix is actually dead and that the Malfoys have gone into hiding, but no time to rest, the battle of Hogwarts is upon us. Whereas usual, Voldemort is pretty iffy about the powers of the Elder Wand, but he thinks he has the solution, so he summons Snake and has Nagini bite her, and then Harry comes and gets the memories from Snape and learns that he has to die. So he dons his invisibility cloak, heads into the forest, opens the snitch, uses the resurrection stone, connects with his loved ones, who then escort him to Voldemort. And of course, we all know what happens there. <laughs> Now, the obvious missing player from the battle this time, though, is Narcissa, which is a pretty big deal because after Voldemort fails to kill Harry, he sends Narcissa to go check whether or not Harry is actually dead. Narcissa, of course, realizes that Harry is alive, but lies about it. Dead. But this time, someone else is going to have to check whether or not Harry's dead, and they are also going to discover that he's alive. And I don't think they're gonna lie about it. Instead, I think they're gonna be super freaked out about it and immediately retreat. In fact, I imagine the entire circle's like, whoa. Voldemort is, of course, furious and can't understand it, but Harry is happy to fill him in. He explains how Voldemort mistakenly took Lily's protection into himself when he used Harry's blood, and now he can't arm Harry, but it's not too late. Voldemort can still come back if he can just try to feel some remorse. Obviously though, Voldemort is incapable of these things and so moves to attack again, but this time Harry fights back. As usual, it's a Vodakadavra versus Expelliarmus, but something's different this time. If you recall, Harry has just donned the invisibility cloak to enter the forest, then used the resurrection stone to bring back his loved ones to escort him to death. Then he came back from the grave. Harry is the master of death. And so even though the power of the Elder Wand died with Dumbledore, it is now reactivated and recognizes Harry as its true master. As such, it refuses to attack Harry and backfires on Voldemort, who evaporates on the spot. The Death Eaters watch in shock and then flee in every direction, terrified by Harry's return from the grave and now his mastery of the Elder Wand, which of course he caught out of the air in true seeker style. And that's it. Harry returns to the castle. The day is won. Or is it? Yes, the day is won, but having never returned to the castle, Neville is never given the chance to kill Nagini. And so, in all of the chaos, Nagini escapes the night unscathed. Meaning that while Voldemort once again has no body, the snake is still lurking, anchoring him to life so that he may return again one day. Personally, I'm hoping we get to see it like in a, like, I don't know, like a, a really well thought out stage production or something. Here's hoping, but that's what would have happened if Sirius had told Harry how to use the mirrors. Guys, don't forget this Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern, we are gonna be hosting an all fandom trivia live stream right here on this channel. Set your calendar right now. Again, it's gonna be super fun. We're gonna have prizes. We're gonna have questions, games. It's gonna be a good time to come hang out. If you've never done it before, it's really easy and I think you're gonna have a blast. Um, otherwise, if you wanna see some more what if Harry Potter action from us, you can find out what would have happened if Draco had killed Dumbledore by clicking this video right here. But otherwise, until next time, Ben, I will see you in another life, brother.